Welcome to the second season of Alternative Parenting Podcast, where we learn how to guide our kids to find their own path while supporting them in cultivating traits that will empower them to live a life of fulfillment, meaning, and satisfaction. I'm your host, Efrat Amira. Welcome back. Today I have an interview with Shilamida Friedman. Shilamida is a transformation and lifestyle mentor. She shares her journey of misfortune to triumph in order to show others what's possible in their life for them. Sharing her life story in her book From Food Stamps to First Class, Shilamida believes anything is possible. Kind, powerful, passionate, dedicated, deep are some of the words chosen to describe her. Bold, determined, fierce, but gentle, grateful is how she describes herself. She is the goddess, the temptress, the mistress, the disruptor. To know her is to love her or to get triggered by her. If the connection is there, she will take you on a magical journey where all your dreams will unfold before your eyes, utilizing gratitude and human design to help you manifest and understand your innate blueprint in this life. Shilamida believes in magic and miracles and her wishes for everyone's manifestations to come true. Mother, lover, author, speaker, podcast hostess, 50 Shades of Shilamida, entrepreneur. Shilamida utilizes gratitude, human design, and a variety of energetics in her work with clients one-to-one and on her life-changing transformational retreats. She is an active member of her community, residing in New Jersey with her husband and their children, but you'll always find her traveling. Capturing, inspiring, and activating, Shilamida is a modern-day spiritual leader, breaking down old paradigms and restructuring how we can move forward through chaotic times. If you are ready for the journey of a lifetime, find her and stick around through your triggers. In this episode, we talked about appreciating the uniqueness of our children, understanding and accepting that each individual is here on their own path and has their own mission to fulfill. We dove into how human design can be an incredible, valuable tool as parents to learn more about our children's personalities, their strengths and traits, and how we can parent them in a way that will support them to grow to the fullness of who they are. We also touched upon understanding our kids' love language and how it can be a game changer in our relationship with our kids when we understand how they interpret our love signals and how we can be more intentional in showing them love in a way that they need. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Hello, Sheila Mida. I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast today. I have been following you on social media for a while, and it looks like you had quite a journey. So I'm really interested uh, to learn more about what you have been through and what you have learned along the way about yourself and about parenting and about what we need to teach our kids or what we need to pass along to our kids for them to have a more fulfilling life. So start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your parenting journey. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here and chat with you today. Uh, The parenting journey for me has been an interesting one. I became a mom before I was actually ready. 
My first child was a surprise and definitely shook up my whole world. Um, The parenting journey has been quite the interesting one because after my first son, I ended up having two more. Um, I suffered with postpartum depression for one of my births, which was very difficult to overcome. But the journey has become a beautiful one. And I have learned a lot along the way, for sure. Yeah. So can you start by telling us, like, what was the first shift for you? The first shift into motherhood was really understanding that this soul chose me. And that even though I didn't think that I chose him at the time, it was a mutual calling and that we chose each other so that we could both accomplish things here on this earth plane. And with my other children, it worked out a little different because life was different. My partner was different and everything was different. Um, But in the same token, it was really understanding again that they chose me to be their mother. And so I needed to change in order for me to be able to guide them as best as I could. Yeah. So what are some things that changed in you because of becoming, because you became a mother? Well, I've become a lot more patient. (laughs) (laughs) Patience has been the first and foremost and, and probably my greatest lesson of all because Um, I am a very reactive person. I am very emotional. Um, I do get set off very easy. I don't love sound and noise. And as we know, children come with a lot of those things. And so really being able to step back and ask myself the question, what would Shilamita have needed as a child? And so I asked myself that question a lot because I grew up in a household that where there was a lot of yelling, there was a lot of reacting. And so, you know, we tend to carry forward how we are raised. And I realized with my middle child, he had a lot of anxiety. And I realized that me yelling at him was not helping the situation. It was only making the situation worse. And so when I started asking myself the question, what would little Shilamita need right now? It really shifted the entire perspective of parenting for me. It made me softer. It made me more compassionate towards my children. And it really helped me to understand that, you know, they're little humans too, who are experiencing big emotions and they're trying to figure things out. And it's a lot harder for them to figure things out. And I can either fuel their fire or I can provide them with a space where they're able to grow and foster in a very different way than I was. Yeah. So what was your answer to the question, what would Shilamita need as a child? Shilamita always needed a hug. (laughs) (laughs) You will always hear me asking my children, do you need a hug right now? (laughs) Mm. Hug right now. And, and most of the time they will cower and say, yes, even my oldest who is now 16 and a half, who is not as, you know, affectionate, but 
you know, this year I've had a lot of conflict with him as he's transitioning hormones into adulthood and all of the things. And so, you know, I realized that we're all looking for the same thing. We're all looking to be seen. We're all looking to be loved and we're all looking to be heard. And so I find that in parenting, we forget that. And we don't allow for our children to be seen or to be heard. It's kind of, well, this is the way that I know it. So I'm going to throw that onto you. So I try not to parent that way. I really try to parent knowing that my children are here to lead themselves and I'm simply here to guide them. And it doesn't matter which dream I did not fulfill. I see this a lot with friends and and family members of how they're trying to morph their children into who they did not become. And so I really try hard not to do that. And, you know, a lot of it, especially with my one son, we're very different. And so we bump heads a lot. And I have a really hard time understanding him as a human because we are so different. But it's understanding that his path is going to be very different than mine. And his choices are going to be very different than mine. And I have to be okay with that. Yeah, that's very challenging. I I mean, I feel like all of us have big dreams for our kids or, you know, sometimes it's dreams that we have for ourselves and it's hard to let that go. And just trust them that they're on their own journey and they have their own path. And we are here just to nurture them, nurture their self-esteem and guide them to fulfill their their own dreams, their own path. Um, So you talked about patience a while ago, and I was interested in in learning how you how you were able to cultivate more patience with your more patience with your kids. Yeah. So learning human design has really been an integral part of me and patience, not only with my children, but to all of humankind. Um, I have this core belief that people are stupid and I'm really trying to shift and change that. Um, But I spent 10 years as a licensed acupuncturist and I see how difficult it is for people to change their thinking and changing their mindset and Learning human design really helped me to understand that we are all designed so different. Mm. It's not the fact that people are stupid. It's just the fact that people are designed different. And so to me, that may feel like it's stupidity, but it's not stupidity for the person that I'm dealing with. And so in learning this and understanding that a one line in human design, one lines, they love to ask questions. They need to know facts. They have to ask a lot before they come to a conclusion. I'm not like that at Mm. all. So it's having this understanding when I'm with another person and they start asking me a lot of questions, it's not that they're stupid. It's chances are they're probably a one line and for their own psyche, for their own design, they have to ask those questions. And so it's finding compassion and understanding for this person and allowing them to show up for themselves, even though that's not the way that I operate. And so learning this 
with my children for my children has been so huge because my oldest who is very different from me in human design there's lines and so him his lines are two four my lines are four six so his two line and my six line we are on like the opposite of the spectrum and so understanding this and looking at his chart and knowing that he has a lot of qualities that's all about me, very, um, you know, I don't want to call him a narcissist, but two lines, they have a lot of narcissistic qualities. And so knowing that we diagnose people with these psychological disorders that I, I don't even actually believe are true. I believe that we're designed in different ways and some of the qualities that we hold are just qualities that we hold. And so they may not be qualities that I have or understand, but it's an understanding that if I can love and appreciate humankind as they are, then I'm able to, I'm going to be able to find some kind of common ground in order to not have conflict with this person on a regular basis. So this has been the greatest gift of all time, not only for parenting my children, but having relationships in general and knowing and understanding myself as a human being. That's really interesting. Um, can you tell us like a little bit about human design for, for the audience who don't know what it is uh, at the beginning? Yeah. And also, I it seems like from what I'm hearing you say, human design is a lot about understanding right understanding different people and their different characters um is there some kind of practice to it as well like uh, some kind of a practice that is <clears throat> bodily more than like understanding in a rational mind um as far as bodily practice with human design not that i know of um human design is a um it's an understanding of learning. It came from one creator. I, I don't know his name off the top of my head right now, but it pulls in um, astrology, Kabbalah, the Yi Ching, numerology. It takes your birthplace, your birth time, um, and your birthday, and you plug it into a chart and it spits you out a reading. And so on the reading, you get a physical chart where you could see there are centers. There's what looks like triangles and squares and circles um, throughout the chart. And within those, there are gates and there are lines and there is energy that is around this. And so the beautiful thing about human design is when two people come together our charts fill each other in or our charts are going to repel one another. Mm -hmm. So if I have parts of my chart that are defined, that means I have 24 seven energy running through those parts of me. When I come together with you, if you're not defined in some of those centers and we're together, you're going to feed off of my energy which is why human design becomes such a beautiful piece in relationships because you start to see and understand, well, okay, you know, uh, for an example, I have an ego center and that's defined and only 30% of the population has that defined. So when you're watching me, you're going to see that I have a lot of confidence. I have a lot of willpower. I have a lot of strength. The reason why I have that is because I have this energetic center and I have that filled in. 
Somebody that doesn't have that filled in, they're going to go into a negative. They're going to start comparing themselves. Why is she so confident? Why does she have willpower? I don't. Why does this person, why can they accomplish these things, but I can't? So the beauty around learning human design and understanding your chart is seeing where do I have this 24 seven energy and where am I lacking the energy? And if I'm lacking energy, how am I able to increase these energetic centers? And that comes into who are you spending your time with? Who are you spending your time with? Or, you know, you might have a lot of conflict with a individual or with a child, right? This is the way that I've used this. And so seeing, well, why do I have so much conflict with this child? And if you really start digging deep into a human design chart, you're going to see maybe your lines are different. Maybe they're defined in different places than you are, you know, and you can start to really break down, well, how can I now use this to my benefit? So a lot of people will look at human design. They'll be like, well, I'm missing this. I'm missing that. It's not about that. Now you're not missing anything. You're designed perfect as you are. It's just that we've been led to believe that a lot of the things about us, that there's something wrong with us. And I'll give you an example. My little guy, he's a one three. So if we go back to that one line, the one line loves to ask questions. They need to know a lot of facts. They never feel like they have enough information. I am a projector. Projectors are to the point we already know. I know things before other people know it. I don't need to ask questions. I just have this knowing about me. So my little guy, he does not shut up. He talks all day long. And so I have to be really careful in my languaging to him to not say to him, you talk too much. Mm-hmm. You're always talking. You're always right. And we we start saying this to people and we don't realize that we're programming them along the way. And so if you're not careful in the way that you're talking to a child, you're now going to take this one line and you're going to start turning them down. Right. Because all of a sudden it's like, well, I talk too much, so I shouldn't ask so many questions. No, we don't want to do that. We want to empower power them. Like this is a superpower that you have, but this superpower is going to drive certain people insane. Mm. So it's that fine line and balance of this is you, this is your power. This is going to help you in your life. But when you're with somebody who doesn't understand that someone who's designed different, it's going to bother them. And so how do we communicate with one another so that we're not dimming people down? And, you know, for me, for example, growing up, I used to have a lot of people tell me that I had a big ego, that I had an ego problem, that, you know, something was wrong with me because I am designed to shine. I'm designed to be on stage. Like what you see on social media, it's exactly who I am. But there was a point in time where I felt like something was wrong with me. Like, why do I want to be famous? Why do I need to be on stage? Why do I have this innate knowing that I'm supposed to be a star? But for other people, they're not going to understand that because most people are not wired that way. So now I'm going to irritate them somehow. And 
a lot of times people have no problem expressing that to you. And so for a long time, the things that make me uniquely and beautifully me are the things that people are going to try to rip you down for. Mm. So you said defined, right? Is this something that you are born with, that areas that are defined in you? Yes. Or is it something that you can accomplish? You can become more defined in some area that you want to be defined in. So it doesn't work the like that. The way that you're going to become more defined in something, which you can, it's if you're going to be spending time with other people who have that definition. So I'll give you an example. There's four energy types. It's the generator, the projector, the manifester, and the reflector. So there are four energy types. And so the generator, they are the workers. They usually have charts that are very defined in the energy centers. They have a lot of energy, right? Mm. I'm a projector. So projectors are not as defined. We don't have as much energy. We only are supposed to operate for four hours a day. However, I live and I'm married to a generator who's very defined. So when I was first finding out about human design and I was told that I was a projector, I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me at all because I was very much operating as a generator. I was feeding off of my husband's energy. I was feeding off of my children's energy who are also generators. So in the beginning, it was unconditioning myself. I used to run an acupuncture practice where I was seeing four patients in an hour and I was seeing 16 to 20 patients in a day. That is not an ideal schedule for a projector. A projector is not supposed to work that hard. And so when I first started learning this and I was told to take a nap in the middle of the afternoon and I was like, You've got to be kidding me, right? Mm. Like, I don't nap. That's not okay for me. But napping wasn't okay for me, but taking a bath was. But I remember in the beginning, the first time I took a bath at 11 o'clock in the morning, and I thought, am I allowed to do this? Like, Mm. people do this? Are people allowed to take a break in the middle of the day? Or, you know, towards the end of my practice, I had gone to my husband's office one day, and he was getting ready to go to lunch with his brother. And I looked at him and I'm like, is this what you do at work all day? You go to lunch? And he was like, yes, Shill, we eat. So we <laughs> eat at lunch, you know? And I'm like thinking to myself, but wait a second, you like actually go to a restaurant and you sit down and you eat in the middle of the day? Like that was so foreign to me. And I was an entrepreneur. There was no reason why I couldn't do that. It's just not the way that I was programmed. I was programmed mm-hmm. to work. And I was programmed to work all day long and I was programmed to eat lunch at my desk. And there was no taking a break to go dine at a restaurant in the middle of the day. And so there was a lot of unconditioning by the way of conditioning that I conditioned myself with, right? Nobody necessarily told me that that's the way that you needed to operate. That's just the way that I operated. Once you realized your design and started to make those changes in your life, what did you start to see happen? Everything happened. Mm. (laughs) Um, Business became easier. Life became easier. My confidence skyrocketed. I am so comfortable in who I am now. I don't have to turn myself down. I don't have to, you know, dim myself. 
by knowing that I'm going to bother somebody. And it really has become beautiful. I I put in energy where I want to, and I rest my energy when I need to. I have no problem stopping in the middle of the day and taking a break now, knowing that self-care is more important, right? There was a time where I would have told you, I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to go to yoga. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And in human design, a six line, six line is innate wisdom. And innate wisdom doesn't actually come in until after 50. So for those that are listening who are a six line, we never think there's enough time. We live life thinking that we're always running out of time. And so that small shift in knowing that, oh my gosh, my wisdom hasn't even set in yet. And I know how wise I am. I know the power of my wisdom and I'm only 44. And it's like, my life hasn't even begun I haven't even hit the iceberg. Forget about like what's to come. So it's really been this beautiful unlearning, unraveling, right? Just like kids with homeschooling, it's the the unknowing of what we already know. It's the same thing with human design. You're unraveling everything that we've been programmed to know and you're actually stepping into who you are. That's incredible. And I think it's so powerful as a parent, if you have that information from the beginning about your kids, then you know what you're supposed to say and not supposed to say or where, where you need to put your energy in with them. Um, so with your kids, you, you talked about this a little bit, but how did it help you? Um, I don't know if you knew from the beginning what design they were or not, but once you realize what their design is, how did it help you in your parenting yeah, it was huge. I did not learn human design until 2020. So this is uh, fairly new for me still. And for the first three years, I only learned about myself because I really had a hard time with what I was conditioned and knowing. And I didn't believe a lot of the things that I was reading. And then this year is when I really started focusing on my family and my children and really understanding them as human beings. So there's five kids in my household. <laughs> And two come from my husband. One comes from a previous relationship with me. And then our two little guys are ours together. And so the little guys are us. They are literally designed. My little guy is a 1-3 manifesting generator. My husband is a 1-3 generator. Yeah. I am a 4-6 projector. My middle guy is a 4-6 projector. Yeah. My um, oldest, he is a two, four generator. So just with the three children that I carry that are mine, what has been super helpful is the middle one. I would have never in a million years told you that he was me, right? Because we bump heads with the child that's exactly like us. Yeah. And so he has been my hardest one because he has suffered greatly with anxiety. I think he suffers with a lot of ancestor things that he's brought forth into this life. And so it's been huge, 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 huge for me to really look at him and be like, this is you. This is little Shilamita. 
So you need to parent this child the way that you were not parented because I don't feel that I was parented the way that I needed to be parented. Mm -hmm. So it's been so helpful for me with him. And I've seen in him, I've seen he's become softer. He's become more communicative. He's become more open. He's become more honest with me because I look at him now and it's like, I'm staring at myself. Then watching my husband and my little guy, they bump heads. Mm. They're the ones that are at it all the time. And it's like, they're the same human being. So I know now when I am referring to my little one, it's just like my husband, you know, and they treat me the same and they take care of me the same. And it's like, I have my husband and I have my boyfriend, (laughs) you know, and then there's the child totally different, who's different than the rest. And so it's interesting in the dynamic of their relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Because my oldest and my middle, the one that's like me, they bump heads. They're always at each other's throats. And so it's the same thing with us, right? Like we're always at it together because we're so different. But then my oldest and my little guy, they get along so well. And it's me and my husband, right? Mm-hmm. It's like having the relationship with me and my husband. The the two little ones, they, it's like they're like me and my husband. So it's it's really interesting to look at it from a bird's eye perspective. And then when there's conflict or there's some kind of problem, I'm able to take their charts and I'm able to go in and go deeper human design, you will spend years and years and years learning it and you won't know everything about it Mm. because there's so much, it's so deep. It goes so in depth. Human design goes in depth with gene keys. There's circles with numbers. Everything means something on the chart. So there's a lot to know and learn. Wow. So once you have the design, um, so first of all, can you tell us how people can know their design and their kids design? Yeah. And once you have those designs, uh, what are some tools that you can give your kids for them to know how to use it in their to their advantage? Yeah. So you can go to mybodygraph.com. It's a free website and you could pull the chart and you could read about it there. I would suggest getting a reading. I do individual readings, but my passion is really in reading families. So I do um, 60 minute sessions where I can read three people and up to 90 minute sessions, we could do five to six charts. And I actually show you right? I show you the charts. I show you what's the same, what's different, why you're going to find conflict, where this child is going to question themselves, how you as a parent can help them to really strengthen their weaknesses and help them to reframe. And that's really what it's all about. It's reframing. It's not about you're lacking something. There's no lack. We're here as perfect human beings, you know, and I say that word in quotations because there's no such thing as perfect, but we really are imperfectly perfect. We really were designed to be who we are to fulfill our life's purpose, right? We all came here. That's at least what I believe that we all came here with a contract that we're here to fulfill. And so we have a purpose of being here. 
And so in really understanding what these charts are, you're able to speak to your child in a different way. You know, going back to that example for my one line who talks so much, it's like we're very conscious of not saying that to him. So he'll walk out of the kitchen and we'll like look at each other and be like, oh my God, he is not shut up. You did not need commentary. Like there, the, the child had all the commentary in the world, right? But you can also see how if I didn't know human design and I didn't understand that, how I would have probably already programmed him into thinking that he talks too much and he knows it, but we say it to him in a very different way. We empower him with it, you know, and like, I'll always say to him, don't ever stop asking questions. Even if mommy doesn't want to answer your questions right now, don't ever stop asking questions. Always ask your questions. Always say what you need to say. Even when we say that you talk too much, you know, and and I go back because there was many years where I didn't understand this stuff. So there's many years of programming that I now need to deprogram. So how do you start that deprogramming pro- process? Um, you know, you go through the things that you know you say to a child all the time. Listen, most adults, when they grow up, most adults have these beliefs. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough, right? There's there's always something about not being enough. And why do people think that? People think that because of the way that they were raised, right? I was raised in a Russian household. So, and it was a very stereotypical Russian household where, you know, wood was the law, There wasn't a lot of I love you's. There wasn't a lot of hugging and kissing. It was like, this is strict and you have to follow the rule. And that's the way that life is. And so me, I'm a very affectionate person. I'm passionate. I need to be seen. I need to be loved. I need to know it. And I'm a projector. Projectors have to be seen. It's not a... It's not a choice. It's like literally my job is to be seen. I'm the lighthouse. The projector in the movie theater is the first thing that everybody sees, right? Like you see the movie screen and then the projector comes on before the words come on the screen. Mm -hmm. So it's very important for a projector child to be seen, to be known, to be put on a stage, right? And so I didn't have that growing up at all. I still don't have that from my mom. She still doesn't understand that from me. So I always seeked outer validation and I chased outer validation my whole entire life. And so now I have a husband who's wonderful at seeing me every single day. He tells me how beautiful I am, how smart I am. He's proud of me. He's, you know, he sees my accomplishments. And so it's a game changer in your life when you know and understand, like, this is what I need. I have girlfriends. I mastermind. I spend a lot of time in personal development and mentorship And I pay a lot of money to be in circles where people understand what I need as a human being. And so my fuel is always fueled at this point. 
because I've put myself in an arena where people see me for who I am and they appreciate me for who I am. But growing up, when we don't know this and we don't understand this, we chase. We chase relationships. We chase being seen. We chase friendships that are not right for us, yeah. right? Uh, I, when I I lead a lot of retreats for women, and every time women show up to these retreats, it is my duty to make sure that they feel that they belong. Because women, we grow up, we think that we don't belong because we don't fit in with the popular group. We don't fit in with the group that dresses nice. We don't fit in with the smart group. We don't fit in. We don't fit in. We don't feel like we fit in. But the truth is, is that nobody fits in because Mm. we're all so individual. We're not supposed to be in a box, but society puts us in boxes. And so until we learn how to get out of those boxes, we're going to have a really hard time in life. And so how does this unconditioning happen? It happens by learning and understanding, right? It's learning about ourselves, learning, this is what I need. This is my love language. So I don't, are you familiar with the love languages? Yeah, you can explain to our audience a little bit about it. So there is a wonderful book. It's the five love languages. Um, and love languages, when you really understand this about people, so what are love languages? Um, somebody's love language might be gifts. Somebody's is acts of service. Somebody's is words of affirmation, um, physical touch. And what's the fifth one? It'll come to me. So there's five love languages. And so let's say my love language is physical touch and your language. Oh, it's quality time. And your language is quality time. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's say we're, we're best friends and it's my birthday and you've decided that you're going to take the whole day off of work and you're going to plan this whole entire day for me. And we're going to go to the spa and we're going to, we're going to go do all these things. Right. And for me, all I want you to do is hug me, kiss me, hold my hand, caress me. Right. And you don't know this about me. You think, well, your love language is quality time. So here you've taken the entire day off of work. You've planned this whole experience for me. And all I want you to do all day is touch me. Right. So we're going to have this big communication gap because I don't know how to express this to you because I don't understand what my love language is. So again, in parenting your children, I have a 16 year old who I had a lot of conflict with at the end of last year. And so I had said to him, and we know as children turn into teens, they start to move away from us. They don't want to be hugged. They don't want to be touched. They don't want to even talk to you, right? Yeah. As parents. And so I sent him the love language quiz. There's a quiz that you could Google. Mm. So his love language came back as number one, physical touch. Number two, quality time. Number three, gifts. Okay. And so as soon as that quiz came back to me, I felt like someone put a dagger in my heart because I stopped hugging and kissing my oldest son. We don't spend any time together because he's always with friends or, you know, school or whatever, whatever, whatever. 
And then the third one was gifts, which I'm really good at gifts. So he was always fulfilled in that way. But all of a sudden I started asking him, Hey, do you want a hug? And every time he says, yes, there is never a time that this 16 year old has said no to me lately when I'm like, Hey, do you want a hug? And so in learning this, what a game changer, my poor kid was feeling so much neglect. And here I thought I was just parenting the right way. You know, like it's, here's a 16 year old boy. He doesn't want anything to do with his mom, but that's the furthest thing from the truth. It's just what I was conditioned into thinking about my teenage son. And so now I've made it a point where once a week we'll go to lunch or we'll have a meal together, just the two of us. I make sure to ask him. And by the way, I don't love being touched, Mm. right? So it's hard for me. It was very easy for me to like stop hugging and kissing him because it's just not something that I love and enjoy. And I, for my, my husband's love language is physical touch. My little guy's love language is physical touch. So in now knowing this, it's very important for me to know that sometimes I have to go against what I feel because I need them to know that they are loved and they are seen and they are heard. And I want to do my best to parent them the way that they need, even though it's not always the best for me. And then sometimes I just have to say, mommy does not want to be touched right now. (laughs) (laughs) Mommy does not want to be touched right now. I don't don't want it. (laughs) Everybody's got to take their own. (laughs) Go touch somebody else. Yeah. I just love this because I feel that both human design and the love languages, it helps you understand that everybody is different and everybody is perfect the way that they are. And it also helps you nurture whatever it is that they need to be nurtured um, with. And I think it's incredible tools to have as a parent. And, and not only in parenting, it's also in relationships, mm-hmm. you know, in any relationship. actually. Yeah. yeah. For years with my husband, you know, again, my husband is not a gift. Gifts are probably fifth on his list. Gifts are pretty high for me. They're number three. And so every holiday, and I'm sure that there's, there's audience is going to listen to this. This is going to be very relatable. I'm sure that there's holidays that pass that you do not get a present, that you do not get flowers, that you do not get something right. And it used to destroy me. I would be so upset with my husband. How dare he? Another holiday goes by, another birthday goes by, another, this goes by, another, that goes by, and I get nothing. And so one year I had to sit down with him and explain this to him. It is very important for me for you to go put in the effort of buying me a present. I need you to do this for me. And so he did for an entire year. He showed up and he bought me the most beautiful crystals. I love crystals, right? And it was such an abundant year for me because he heard me. And he saw me and he responded to what I needed. And now I'm over it. I Mm. don't need it as much Mm -hmm. because I understand that for him, it really doesn't matter. And so I've stopped giving him gifts as well. And recently he's like, oh, you know, you stopped giving me gifts. 
And all of a sudden it's like, oh, he feels it too, right? And so now we get to communicate about this kind of stuff and we're able to bring things forward for each other in a different way. It's it's just so beautiful. And by the way, this is also in your friendships that this is happening where you're having conflict with a girlfriend and you don't understand why and you think that you're showing up for them in the best way that you possibly can, but it's not about the way that you're showing up. It's about the way that they need you to show up. Yeah. And that's very different. Yeah. So how much do you communicate this with your children as well? Tell them about the love languages and the human design? Everything. My kids know everything. Yeah. Yeah. My kids know everything. Um, I'm very open. I'm very spiritual. We we talk a lot about these things because I'm trying to help them to understand, right? When they have conflict at school or, you know, my little guys, they're very close together in age. So, you know, they both went for student council. One got it, one didn't. And the one that didn't get it was my projector child. He's the one that needs to be seen. He's the one that needs to be on that stage. And so, you know, this is helping them to, it helps me to help them understand, well, look, let me show you your human design chart. Let's sit down. Let's look at this. Let's look at why you're feeling this way. How can we communicate better what you need? And, you know, it's been, you know, just asking the question, do you need a hug? Do you need alone time right now? Do you need to be on your own? Right. Okay. Crying is another one. We always shush, shush, don't cry. Don't cry. Right. But we have to cry. We have to feel emotions. That's why so many adults are walking around so messed up because when we were children, we were, don't do that. No. Go, go to your room, feel your emotions. I want you to feel it. I want you to cry. I want you to be angry. Go, go yell in your pillow. Go take out that emotion, right? Otherwise we start to trap it inside of us. And then we grow up with as adults. And now we have a lot of trauma that we have to unclear because we weren't able to feel our emotions as we were growing up. So it's very important for me to explain this to my children because, you know, it's very woo too, right? It's, it's on another level. Nobody's having these, these kinds of conversations. So it's helping them to understand like mommy does things very different than, than the norm and their friends and families in mainstream, because we went back to public school this year, none of them are talking about this kind of stuff. Mm. You know, so it's, it's really helping them to separate and understanding, like, listen, we put you back into this arena, but we don't agree with everything that's happening here. Right. And so it's helping them to really decipher, like these tests don't mean anything. They don't define you. They're the grades that you're getting. That's not about you. It's about the teacher and how they're teaching and, and stuff that they need to do. Right. So don't worry about the tests. And this has been huge because, again, coming from a Russian household, I was always conditioned that school is so important Mm. and you do in academics defines you. And I was not a studious child. I had a lot of hardships. I had 
if there was classifications, then I definitely would have been classified. I also feel that I'm vaccine injured. So there was a lot of things that I did not know. And now as an adult, I want to make sure that those limitations are not put onto my children. And unfortunately for my oldest child, I did not learn about this stuff until much later. And so I already see in him how he's programmed himself based on what the school system has told him. Right. And I want to say that we can always deprogram. Yeah. We can always help our kids unlearn what it is that we taught them at the beginning, just as you did for yourself, right? And you're doing for your kids right now. Um, so for those who are listening right now, who are feeling a little bit worried that they don't know all these things, they can learn it right now and they can fix and, you know, and make things better for them and for their, for their children. We came here for an experience. We came here to feel, we came here, we wouldn't know what sad was without happy. We wouldn't know what joy was if we never felt anger, right? And it's not about living a perfect life. There's no such thing as perfect. It's just learning, unlearning, reprogramming, learning, unlearning, reprogramming. It's what all of life is all about. That's amazing. And I really appreciate your time, Shilamira. This was fascinating. And I feel like now I want to go to those charts and learn all about yeah. my human design and my kids' human design. So I really, really thank you for telling us about this knowledge. Um, so where can our audience find you if they want to follow your work? Yeah, you can find me all over social media just by spelling my name correctly. My website is www.shilamira.com. It's S-H-I-L-A-M-I-D-A. Um, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube at 50 shades of Shilamita with the number five zero. I'm also the goddess of gratitude. If you want to go stalk me on social media, we're switching things around. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on Facebook. Um, I do have a very big social media presence. I do readings. I host retreats. I share a lot of master classes. I am a best-selling author. All of my books are available on my website and Amazon. And I love to hear from new people. So feel free to reach out and DM me. I do respond to all of my social media on my own. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure to link all those in the show notes. Thank you. I love the practical tools that came up in this episode and how with understanding our kids' love language and human design, we can literally transform our relationship with them. Here are the main takeaways. Number one, many of us didn't get what we needed as kids, but asking ourselves what we did need and using the answer to understand what our kids need from us helps us develop self-empathy and that is the way to have empathy for anybody else, let alone our kids. Number two, our children are their own being. They came here to this world to go through their own journey, to fulfill their own dreams and purposes. And that can look very different from our journey. By finding compassion and understanding towards them, we can support their journey no matter how different it is from ours. Number three. This point I added from the website Allure.com. Human design was created by a man named Alan Krakauer. Human design is an incredibly specific way to learn more about your personality, emotions, and energy centers. More specifically, human design breaks down how you are wired to make decisions, work within teams, parent, and partner. Human design is essentially a mix of Kabbalah, I Ching, 
Myers-Briggs Astrology, Biochemistry, Genetics, and the Chakra System all in one. Number four, when we understand our kids and our human design, we can understand our kids' traits and behavior much better and then use that as a very powerful parenting tool. Number five, when understanding that each person is designed differently but perfectly imperfect, we learn to appreciate each person for their uniqueness. Number six, each human is here to fulfill their own mission. Number seven, learning about ourselves and our children is the place to start. Unconditioning ourselves from society's limiting ideas and our own limiting beliefs and start to adopt the true being of who we are and who our kids are. Number eight, society likes to put us into boxes, but the truth is that we are all different and can't be limited with these external limitations. When we try to fit into a box, we are bound to start to believe that we are not enough, not smart enough, that we don't know enough. When we accept that we are special and that we are worthy just the way we are, we start to see abundance, flow, and joy in our life. Number nine, understanding our kids' love language teaches us how they need us to show up for them. Each person is unique and interprets love signals differently. We want to show up for our kids in the way that they need us to show up for them. Number 10, when we give our kids a strong identity at home, we show them who they truly are and what they are worth. And at the same time, we want to convey to them that their success in other fields like school does not define them. Grades don't define them. Not getting along with a teacher does not define them. Then they will become unshakable. Number 11, we came here for an experience. We are here to feel it's not about living a perfect life. It's about learning, relearning, and reprogramming. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Talk to you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode and was inspired to make small shifts in your parenting that will support your kids to bring forth their full potential while living a life of ease and well-being. To support the show, please make sure to subscribe and rate the show. Leaving a comment can be very helpful in promoting the show on the podcast platform. If you think that this can benefit other parents, please share this podcast with them. I invite you also to follow my Instagram account, Alternative Parenting Coach, and join my private Facebook group, Alternative Parenting, where I would love to hear your thoughts about the episode, what you learned, what inspired you, or what you didn't agree with. Your feedback is extremely valuable to me, as we are all in this process together, living, learning, and evolving. Thank you again, and I'll talk to you soon.